itself for the resurrection. It's a time of, of death before the resurrection, right? Uh, and I feel like these next few weeks, kind of what I want to really talk to you about is worship. Uh, worship. Not, not just worship with songs, that's part of it. Um, but what does it mean to give all of our allegiance and orientation uh, to one thing? We are all worshipers, and that's not just pastor talk. Um, I remember one of the, forgot the, I didn't bring the quote with me, but David Foster Wallace, great novelist, in his famous commencement speech, uh, goes on a long, lengthy uh, thing about us worshiping and giving our hearts to things and, and what that looks like for all of us. And so whether you're an atheist here, or, or someone seeking God or not. We're all worshiping. Um, today, though, I want to press into talking about um, a theme of uh, to drink in the Spirit. We're going to talk about the Holy Spirit today. And then next week, I want to talk about uh, pour out praise. So today is drinking in the Spirit. Next week is, is pouring out praise. Uh, if Jesus were to come here, and we were just to transport Jesus and talk to him, and we were just to ask him questions like, what do you think about... The American church, like right now, like, how are you feeling about it? Like, what do you, what do you think and feel about it? Um, I, think, I think Jesus would find it odd that so many Christians are skeptical of one another. <laughs> I think he would find it odd that we don't speak to each other or find it odd that we have so much at odds against each other, um, that we, we resist so strongly the way other people, Christians do certain things. And um, one of the biggest problems in the Western church that they face today is, is disunity, right? And, and there's many things we disagree about. I think Jesus would just kind of find it odd. Like, this is weird. <laughs> like, uh, and, and I think for deep down, he would see the division. And, and one of the things that we divide over is, is the Holy Spirit, which is just interesting. Because the Holy Spirit is... If you've been in church, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It's like God. Like, imagine you go to your house for Thanksgiving. And there's, think, I want you to think right now about a part of you that's important. Um, this could be a, a part of your, you know, the way you think. It could be a role you have. It could be a, a, an orientation to the world. It could be a lot of things. But think about this part that's really important. And every time you try to bring it up, Imagine your family being like, eh, just put that to the side. Like, I sometimes wonder if that's how God feels. It's like, this is the spirit. I came to pour out the spirit upon us, um, but we kind of uh, uh, want to keep it to the side or don't know how to engage. And I think it's really what Jesus would find really sad is that we have almost used the third person of the Trinity as like a brand moniker for certain kinds of Christians, right? Like, like, the reality that the Holy Spirit is like, oh, you're like one of those spirit-filled Christians. You know what I'm trying to say here? Um, and there's the spirit-filled ones, and then there's these. And so it, I think it would make Jesus really sad that we've done that. Because the reality is, is God's spirit comes wherever he's wanted. You could be a Greek Orthodox. You could be a Pentecostal. You could be a Puritan. You could be a backwoods Baptist. You could be a stuff it deep down inside Lutheran. You could be a Catholic. Keep my arm. I remember, you know, uh, I remember one time someone came from Catholic. They're like, why do you, I, you know, you sing songs. This is interesting. You know, you could be whatever, all of those things. God comes wherever he's wanted. He comes wherever he's wanted. The spirit doesn't have a brand moniker. The Holy Spirit's not a brand moniker. It's not. Um, I just want, I just want to say that because I think there's 
three kind of, you know, um, things that come up uh, when we talk about the Holy Spirit. Um, I would say there's a couple of different responses uh, that sometimes there's the, uh, the churches that have forgotten the Holy Spirit. They, they, they're studious churches. Maybe they neglect clear evidence of a supernatural within Scripture as valid experiences. Uh, they, they often may, may not talk about it. Like they have the Father and the Son and the Holy Bible. Like that's the Trinity to them. It's like these are the, these are the things of the, that are important. Um, others are maybe uh, forceful with the Spirit. So we have forgotten. We have forceful, which is we must manifest something that looks or feels like the Spirit. Um, many of you may be part of a tradition like that or a church like that. Um, maybe you got a lot of life out of that. Maybe you were, were damaged or maybe there was abusive power with that. Um, the reality is that sometimes we can get into that place where that was our experience, and then we become the third category, which is a fearful posture of the Holy Spirit. Um, but I must say, like, we, we, you know, people misuse Scripture. People misuse cars. Um, just because these things are misused doesn't mean that we don't continue to be open to what the Holy Spirit wants to do in our life. Amen? Um, and so I also want to pause there in terms of the fearful, that there is a cultural kind of um, secular age that we live in, that we have no clue what it was like to live in a spiritual age. Uh, back in years ago, before medicine was institu- institutionalized, doctors would be practicing in your home. And doctors would practice in your home, and they would not just be giving you medicine. They would be your caretaker. They would be, you know, caring for your soul, right? Caring for, for all of who you are. And then once it became institutionalized, we realized that, that that's not what they're— so we have to create a whole other thing for that, which is chaplaincy, okay? So we have to have doctors that do the medicine, and then chaplaincy who care for your soul, right? And so— um, and in previous generations, the spiritual realm was normal. It was natural. It was normal. Uh, now we, we, we lose a lot in our culture because we don't recognize that we're spiritual beings. Uh, I think of um, a good example is in the Greek and um, Roman culture. Socrates, for example. Uh, when he, Socrates, uh, an artist, when they wrote and uh, did art, they didn't just say, man, I did a great job with that, didn't I? They had what they believed was this uh, spiritual inspiration, like an actual being, like Dobby, you know, in the house doing, doing things. They had like, they called this a daemon, right? Daemon. We, we have a daemon. God brought us a daemon. But they had another daemon, and this was a spiritual being that inspired their art. And this was, what was beautiful about this is that if they completely failed at their art, it was just crap, Right, well, it's not my fault. The daemon kind of just dropped the ball. But if it was amazing art, they also were like, well, I got this inspiration from this spiritual being in my life, right? And now I can't be too prideful. When, when we remove the spirit, we, we do a lot of, um, we have a lot of protective constructs in our life that whenever we're sensing something deeper and the spirit's so it's mysterious i mean the older i get the more it's harder to understand what the spirit's doing right it's hard to understand what the spirit's doing in your life sometimes um it's definitely not just your mind and it's not your feelings um but there's also the gut you know and there's something somehow god is in us god is inside of you some more than you are inside of you that sounds kind of mysterious and mystical but 
I believe God is inside of us more than we're even inside of us. And somehow, somehow there's an intertwining between our intuition or gut and what God is doing, what he's saying that we, we need to listen to. And I pray that we're a church that, that does. And so <clears throat> what I want to do today is I kind of want to just give you just kind of a, a little bit of an overview. Uh, start in the beginning, um, just a kind of a broad stroke of the spirit in scripture. Uh, and then I want to just press into a little bit about um, being hungry for the spirit and asking for more of God's spirit. Is that cool? So Genesis 1.1, start in the beginning. Uh, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the spirit hovered over the chaos, hovered over the waters, uh, that the, the earth was formless and empty. The Hebrew words tohu and bohu are there for formless and empty, and then darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the spirit, the ruach of God, was hovering over the waters. The word ruach was the word for breath. So the same word for spirit was the same word for breath. So there's this breath of God hovering over the waters when he created everything, that his intimate um, intimacy was over this, 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 this animation was happening of some sort. Now, as you go on throughout scripture, the, the Old Testament was like this age of visitation when it came to the spirit. It would often be said, well, now the spirit of the Lord came upon Joseph and filled Joseph to do this task, or the spirit of the Lord came upon Samson and filled Samson to do this task. So it was an age of visitation, meaning that the Holy Spirit would come upon a particular person for a particular time for a particular purpose. And um, this would so often happen, and, and it, would, it would happen in, in to the point of Isaiah 11. There was a prophecy that said, A shoot will come from the stump of Jesse. From his roots a branch will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest upon him the spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the spirit of counsel and might. And so there was this um, sense that there will be an anointed one who will come and pour out a spirit upon everybody. So Joel 2, check this out. So um, at the time, right, particular person, the Holy Spirit comes to a particular place. This was their framework. This was the ancient framework. The spirit comes for these little mini moments that you kind of like the way we experience sometimes these liminal spaces where it's like, Oh my gosh, spirits here among us. And then in Joel two, it says this, and I will pour out my spirit on all people. Right? So now it's not when, when the anointed one comes, all of you will be anointed. I don't know if you've ever been in church, but people will use that phrase often of like a pastor or a worship leader. Oh, he's anointed. She's anointed. Um, you are all anointed right now. Like, meaning, anointed just means like the spirit is upon you. Every single one of you is anointed, an anointed one. Um, and so there's no section in the church for anointed people and non-anointed people. If you believe in God's power and presence, you're anointed. God's hands upon you. And then he says, I'm going to pour it out on all people. So the spirit is breaking down walls that separate people. And whenever you see walls, the spirit tears down those walls of division. Um, When you hear about walls, this is what the spirit's doing. He's tearing them down. Now, then he goes, your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Remember, this was a patriarchal culture, right? Where the the priests were were male. And, And here he's saying, women are going to preach and proclaim good news to you. They're gonna prophesy. So this was a bit, would have been a massive shift which we know in Easter, it was women who beheld the risen Christ. And so he's saying this scandalous thing in this patriarchal society. 
that women are going to this gender-inclusive language. And then he says this, young men and old men will see visions. Old men and dream, and will dream dreams, and young men will see visions, which I love. There's like our, our culture uh, tends to toss you, uh, discard you once you reach a certain age. Our culture is obsessed with youth and young. And here he's saying, no, 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 no. Like, no matter how old you are, there is value in the, your culture for, our culture for you, in God's kingdom. And I love this. It's when we get old that our dreams begin to wither, that we begin to think that the best days are behind me, right? And he's saying, no, the old are going to have new dreams. Um, the sense of, like, valuing old age and what they have to offer to a community. Um, <clears throat> so the Spirit can use anyone at any age. And then... Uh, I love this, that, that he then says this. He doesn't stop there. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. So again, radical shift. Now there's socioeconomic realities, those who do not have power and those that were regulated to be slaves. And he's saying those who have no connection, education, no network, the spirit will work powerfully among those who have no power in this world. Amen. That even on my servants, those who have no status, in the world, they are uniquely positioned to be used by God, for God's spirit to pour out on you. So when you are not good enough, when you don't feel like you're enough, I'm going to unconditionally pour out my spirit in, in generosity. Um, and I love this. Marjorie Thompson says this. The only thing that can separate us from the love of God in Christ is our own unwillingness to receive the gift. The only thing that can separate you now from, from this reality of sensing God's spirit in your soul, sensing it's just your own willing, unwillingness to, to receive the gift. That's it. God wants to pour this out upon you generously. Um, I was thinking about this just like as a community that, um, I was thinking about just like when it's starting to rain, you know, when you start to see people that forgot their umbrella, you know, like if you're downtown or you're somewhere. And um, I don't know why they always pop up, but somehow the people with like the $5 umbrellas just like right there. They're like, here you go. Like here's, you're like, okay, yeah, I'll buy this. And then you got the $5 umbrella and then, you know, and then you put it up, and you're walking, and it's raining, and then it just starts to pour. And, like, the umbrella's flying around. It's breaking. It's, like, going backwards. It's like, you might as well just get drenched and enjoy it, right? Like, you're trying so hard to hold this umbrella to, to protect you. And I feel like that sometimes with, with we, all of us, myself. Like, there's this sense of um, whatever you're going through right now, whether it's a relationship or some of, all of us probably have some kind of struggle. It's on the top of our mind, right? Like you have something, maybe a family member that you care deeply about that you see struggling. Um, or maybe it's your own, like, desires for a relationship. Or maybe it's your career, right? All of us have something that when we come to God, this is like at the top of the five lists that we bring up all the time. It's just a reoccurring thing, right? And I feel like we, we kind of come to God with that, with this like umbrella of like, okay, God, I want to figure out how to still do this the way I want and for you just to bless it, right? I'm not, I, and there's this protective mode that we come to God, this sense of I'm going to protect myself from, from anything that you, where God's like, I actually want you just to surrender. Like there's no way you can just do it your way and still continue and just kind of like ask me for, for these gifts. And he's kind of like, I just want you to put down, you, you just seem like you're just, have this broken umbrella, right? And 
I'm trying to pour down blessing upon you. I'm trying to pour down wisdom upon you and insight and revelation and goodness and comfort from the Holy Comforter, right? Trying to, I'm trying to regulate you. I'm trying to, trying to give you my love and my affection, and, and yet we have this protection. And we just kind of, God's calling some of us to just no longer protect ourselves in our relationship with God. Does that make sense? Um, the sense of like, okay, I'm, I'm going to yield to you. I'm gonna, this, this thing that I'm struggling with, I'm going to come to you, and I'm going to say, like, have your way, right? Like Jesus said in the prayer of Garden Gethsemane, not my will, but yours be done. And <clears throat> when the Spirit comes, he, he does so many good things. I just began to just kind of make a list and um, put some language. Um, he's the pure gift of God, the Spirit. The Spirit is God's indwelling presence. He's the life of Jesus. He's your defense attorney. He's your inner anointing. He's the overcomer of the gap. He's a stable witness, a knower of all things, the inner breath of God, divine DNA, hidden love of God, implanted hope, fire of life and love, sacred peacemaker, the nonviolence of God, seal of God's presence and incarnation, the first fruits of everything, father and mother of orphans, planted law, truth speaker, God's secret plan, warmer of hearts, the space between everything, flowing stream, wind of change, descending dove, uncreated grace, filled emptiness, deepest level of our longing, attentive heart, sacred wounded, wounding, holy healing, softener of our hearts, will of God, great compassion, generosity of the creator, our shared joy, God's tears, God's happiness, the welcoming within, contract written on our hearts, jealous lover, desiring of God. Like, what I love about <clears throat> this moment kind of in the church is, you know, I don't know if you paid attention. There's like this, the Asbury revival that's been happening. It's, it was like 16, 17 days. And then all of a sudden, this is all over the internet. You've got all these, the internet should be called something like Joy Killer Anonymous or something. It's like, it was just like this massive attack. Well, they're doing this wrong and this happening. And it's just like, okay, like, I didn't care to think and evaluate. But I just wanted to, when, I, when you watched it or since what was going on, there was just a gentleness. There was a, a purity of worship. There was no slides. There were, the worship leaders were like 19, 20-year-old kids just trying to figure out how to play some chords. It was just sweet, and, it, and it, it stirred in you like this, like, man, like a longing in your soul for God's presence. I think this generation is tired of all of the culture wars, all of the fighting that they're receiving from their previous generation. That They're just like, I just, I just want God. And if you're, I love what, you know, no matter whether you're a Christian or not, like, I just want God. Like G.K. Chesterton said, every knock at the door of a brothel is someone seeking for God. There's just like a hunger, a palatable hunger for God's presence. And I, I just felt like that, like, like there's a sense of humility, a sense of oneness that I just long for. I don't know about you, um, where you just long for, for that, that purity of worship in your life. And I believe God's doing that. I believe God's doing that here and now. I believe that he's doing that through us. And then that can look like that in our community, in, in our own giftings and personality. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, he doesn't make you like some other personality. He doesn't like, 
He uses you according to your personality. The Holy Spirit is a person, not a force. And I think that's something very... There was actually a survey done, and 51% of evangelicals, when asked, do you think the Holy Spirit is a force, they said yes. The Holy Spirit is not this force to wield, right? Like, I think sometimes we think of that one kind of like Star Wars. Like, oh, the force is strong with that one. Healing and deliverance and prophecy there. This one, not so much, but this one, the force is strong. We think of it like this sense instead of like this uh, intimate relationship um, where, where we have with God, right? And um, so the Holy Spirit is not, is not a force. It's a person. And um, Jesus said when he came, right? So we're here, here we are in Joel. And he says, I'm going to pour it out. When Jesus came, um, that's a lot I'm going to cut out. Uh, but there was 400 years of silence, no spirit, no speaking between the pages of Malachi and the New Testament. It was a silent period. The Holy Spirit came upon Elizabeth when John the Baptist was in utero. Um, the Holy Spirit came upon Mary. The Holy Spirit came upon Jesus. Um, there was this new kind of outpouring of awakening of who God was. And uh, Jesus would do ministry in the power of the Holy Spirit. Right? Nicodemus came to him and says, how can I inherit the turn of life? He's like, you have to be born again. You have to follow the Spirit, right? Like, you have to, no one knows where it's going to go. And um, there was this new, newness. And, and Jesus said, I, it's good for me to go away so that I could send you the helper, the, the comforter, uh, the, the one who's going to um, not give you all comfort, but he will comfort you in the midst of distress. And the Holy Spirit does, some, some camps want to make everything about removing pain, right? The Holy Spirit's just here to, to give you all the positive things, right? And that's not what the Spirit's doing. It says that the Spirit was the one who was with Jesus when he died on the cross. So we see that the pain, what the Spirit does is not just give you deeper joy. The Spirit gives you space and stillness to experience deeper pain and deeper joy. To experience the fullness of what it means to be human. Some of you just need that silence and stillness um, to, to know that he's not, the Spirit's not just trying to take you out of pain. It's, it's, a, it's becoming fully embracing what God, what God has made you as a human being. Um, there was an old um, Jesuit activist, and he says this. He says that, um, you, that if you want to follow Jesus, you better look good on wood. You see what I'm saying, what he's saying there? If you want to follow Jesus, then there is a cross, right? There is a, there is a suffering. Jesus said, in this world, you will have troubles. He didn't... He didn't say, oh, if you follow me, the Spirit's just going to give you prosperity and wealth and all these things. No, the Spirit is going to give, there will be problems, but the Spirit is going to be there. The breath of God is going to be there, right? We talked about the breath animating all over creation. And then when Jesus gathers his disciples in his upper room after he raises from the dead, he breathes on them, which is kind of weird when you're in isolation. I don't know the last time you breathe on anyone. Probably maybe someone, a, a friend or a a partner, and you're like, is this okay? Like, do I need to brush again? Like, what's going on? No, Jesus just breathes on them. What is he doing? Symbolically, the breath of God is back. The Spirit is upon you. He's saying, receive the Holy Spirit. And so um, we see this sense of uh, this living, living breath, this living animation that, that the Spirit does. So um, this new age, it's going to be marked by hearing God. New words, like you can, you can hear, hear from him. It's going to be marked by, by uh, new life. And then in Ephesians 5, it says this, that I would rather you not be filled with like these things of the world. Be careful how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Don't get drunk with wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. 
He's saying if you don't, don't just try to change by the things of this world. Instead, be filled with the Spirit of God. Like drink in God's Spirit. And what I want to point to you is this. What is someone who is spirit with a filled with the Spirit do? What do they look like? What is their description? He tells us what they do. They speak to one another with psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit. They sing and make music from their hearts to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of the reverence for Christ. Next slide. So what does a person filled with the Spirit do? Um, you can just go through all three because I'm, I'm running out of time. Um, they learn to live with gratitude. If you're filled with the Spirit, you learn, he says, give thanks always, right? Like this sense of, are you grateful for the smallest things? Are you grateful for, for this right here? Sorry to point you out, but this beautiful moment of this, this little guy. Like when you see that, you're just like, oh, it just brings me so much joy to see like this little kid. It's just like when you see just the innocence and purity of life, and you're just like, man, that's so good, right? Like that's what he's saying. We have the spirit. That's what you feel. And then he says, I want you to submit to one another. I want you to have harmonious relationships. I don't want you to live for greed. I don't want you to live for power. There's people who have all the money in the world, but they haven't slowed down enough to feel the, feel the, their, the void of feeling like, they don't, they're not enough. They have all the, there's someone, there's people who, who have the several PhDs and they f- still feel like they're a stupid child because they never slow down for the spirit to minister to this wound in their heart that they're not, that, that who they are and, and feel that void of feeling like they're, they're stupid or that they're not, they're dumb. And they've, they've, they've overcompensated it with, with masking it. See that you can do, you can be so successful. That's why you hear all these people who've been successful and been like, I've had power. And that wasn't much. You know, I was even listening to the Mike Tyson talk the other day. He was like, I've been told I'm the greatest, but I don't want to be great. I want to be good. He's like, I've known what it's like to be great. I don't know what it's like to be a good person. I want to be a good, we overcome, we take these things, these, we don't create the stillness in our heart for God to minister to our soul. And creating us. And then he says, they make music in their hearts. They're just, they're praising God. When we sing, we sing because these songs are doing something for our soul that more than just words can do. Um, we, don't, we don't sing because it's a performance. Uh, we sing because we know in the act of singing, it's going to do something in us that, we, that words can't do. That God's going to meet us in that. Amen? Um, so we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna do that now. We're going to sing and respond. The band's going to get up. And I just want to pray for us. Um, pray for us in this, this desire for the Spirit. Um, John 7 said, Jesus said, I want to give you torrents of living water. Anyone who's hungry or thirsty, there would be rivers of living water throwing, flowing through your soul. So the prerequisite for this living water is first just like a discontentment with the way things are. Um, So if you're discontent with the way your life is going, you are a perfect match to be filled with more of God's spirit. That is a sign, I think, of hunger for more of God. 
But if we're still well supplied with all sorts of our own answers when our struggles, our own solutions, our own fixes, then like the Holy Spirit can can't give us like himself the presence. He can't give us an answer. He can't. We're filled with our own answers. So I just pray this would be a time of release uh, for many of you, a time of releasing of the things of, of of the answers that you have for your struggle, the the things you're clinging to, the ways you're coping that you know are deteriorating your life. When I think back to that as Asbury revival, that one of the key things was just like a, conf- a simple confession. Some of you, there's a couple of people we want to pray for. One of you is maybe that you just want to be right with God. You want to confess, God, I, I am not right with you. God, we're so hungry for your presence. The confession is just saying, if there's any obstacle, by it says it's God's kindness that leads us to repentance. Just praying, God, if there's any obstacle, by your kindness, could you reveal it to me? If there's anything keeping me, could you be so kind to reveal anything keeping myself from union with the Spirit in my inner being? Um, I was just think of like uh, Abraham this prayer that Abraham prayed with God. He says, if you would have favor on me, God, would you please not pass me by? Praying that for our church, that God, would you please not pass us by? Would you not pass Chicago by? Would you not pass our family by? God, we need more of your spirit. We need more of your presence. Spirit come. Come Holy Spirit come. Um, If you would, maybe some of you just want to feel free to change your posture, just to focus or you don't have to just you can do whatever you want. But I could, could if I could encourage you to hold your hands out in this posture of receiving. God, we long for your presence. Um, some of you might be getting right with God. Others of you are just hungry for more of God's presence. I just want to pray that God would fill your hands right now. He would fill your hands with his goodness, his joy, his love, his peace. And I also want to pray for those that are here and they're just like, you know, I've just, I know I have a hardness of heart and you want to confess cynicism. We want to invite you as well to just receive prayer like I have a hardness of heart and I've been cynical because of what I see or, or just past hurt like we just want to invite you that God would break the ground of that that he would birth hunger in you that he would that you would just come and confess that like I've been cynical and I want to confess that and invite God to break my cynicism um, so yeah those three things want to get right with God, confession, maybe for you, it's cynicism, or maybe for you, it's just, I'm hungry for you and I want more of you. Um, God, we want to, we want to honor this space. We want to, we want to create just space to worship and, and
and seek your face. Let your spirit do. Maybe God's putting something on your heart for us that, that he wants to say to this community, that that would be something we would love for you to be able to share. Just come grab me and let me know what you're thinking. Maybe the spirit is putting something on your heart for this community. We want you um, to be able to share that. So I um, just would love to hear what God's doing in you. Would you stand as we sing in worship? We're going to take communion to my right or left. Um, I'm going to be available for prayer. If we could have a couple of other prayer, Christine, if you could come pray and some other leaders. If you want prayer for any of those things, um, just come f- grab us after you take communion. Everyone's welcome to the table. Um, if you have something God's put in your heart to share, let me let us know. Um, let's sing and worship Him and seek God's presence together. Amen.